So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money, episode 1332, Ask Farnoosh, how can women get ready for retirement? You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to Ask Farnoosh Friday, everybody. March 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Farnoosh Sharabi. If you've been listening to our episodes every Friday this month, you know it is all about women and money in partnership with our sponsor this month, Prudential. We are dedicating episodes to women's financial independence. Today's topic is women and retirement and feeling more prepared for our future. We've got your related questions, including what would it take to feel more confident about your personal retirement savings? We're going to answer this today, as well as what's a good number to shoot for when you're trying to save for retirement? And what are all the ways to support your savings needs? How to bank on a health savings account to supplement your retirement? What to do with a really, really old 401k that you haven't touched in maybe a decade or longer? To help us navigate this topic and provide some professional advice advice is Lucy Chamberlain. She's a financial planner at Prudential Financial. And by the way, we have a lot more advice for you at prudential.com slash so money, but don't go there yet. Stick with us here. Here's my conversation with Lucy Chamberlain on how women can retire with confidence. Lucy Chamberlain, welcome to So Money. Very excited to talk about retirement. One of the top questions on this show is about retirement. Everybody wants to know how much is enough? When do I start? How do I start? So really grateful to have you on the show to help us navigate these questions. Thank you so much, Farnoosh, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and discuss retirement and it being Women's Month and everything to do with us women planning for retirement. Yes, we are living longer. Uh, We uh, have all the reasons to make this a priority. Um, Let me... Learn a little bit more about you, Lucy. Tell me a little bit about what drew you to financial planning. Uh, Everyone's got a story. I want to know yours. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. So I actually started my career in England. um, And then I moved back to America to be with my um, husband and always thought I was going to be on the trajectory for law school and sort of decided to intern and, and, and go down that path and realized it wasn't for me. And while I did do some time in England where I started my career, I realized I think everything I was trying to get from law school, you know, problem solving, working with people, being able to make a difference in someone's life, I found that I achieved when I fell into finance and and started working with my client base. Um, I think everyone's relationship to money stems from their childhood. Um, I had an incredible childhood and came from an incredible family, but then my mother became a single mother. And so learning your path through the eyes of a single mother where everything is on a budget, everything is, um, you know, paycheck to paycheck, 
everything is about, well, in our family, it was, and everything was about counting the pennies and, and retirement wasn't really something was even talk, talked about because it was all about the week to week, the day to day. And I think many Americans experience that of, you know, just planning for today and not thinking about, oh my goodness, is this entire, this day that is looming called retirement day? And what does that look like? What does that mean for you? And understanding that your plan not might not match your neighbor's plan or your sister's plan or, you know, anyone else. And I think understanding what that plan for you looks like is so important. And I think in our role as financial advisors and professionals is the education to provide people the knowledge to make the best decisions for themselves. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's it's a very personal journey. Retirement, it used to be very cookie cutter. It's like you worked yes. until you were 60-ish and then you retired from that one job that you had your entire life and you probably got a pension. Uh, fast forward to today, pensions have gone the way of the dinosaur and we're not, our careers are not so linear. Also the ways that we're saving for retirement, it's not just one way. So looking forward to unpacking all of this with you. It's Women's History Month, and we're dedicating this episode to women, but really the advice is for everybody. Uh, All of this advice is applicable to everybody, wherever you are in your journey, whoever you are, however you identify, to take take these learnings and apply them to your financial life. But but the, the reality is, Lucy, that women are not as prepared for retirement. And Prudential did a study recently and found that in terms of preparedness, men say they are much more likely to be in a good place for that day. Why do you think that is? I think that that really boils down to, um, again, lack of education. I think the more traditional roles with older generations have got in the way of women's mindset, which is absolutely um insane and incorrect because as women, we're actually inheriting more and more of America's wealth today. And so I think you're right. I think both men and women are understanding more and more that they need to save a personal nest egg to meet those retirement goals. And I think it also comes down to generational. I think our our younger generations understand that um, nest, that personal nest egg. But I think women are so used to relying on their husbands or their fathers or that male figure and not realizing that maybe statistically one day you are going to be the surviving spouse and you need to understand the plan that has been set up for you. And that, you know, if you do live another 10, 20 years past your husband, what does that retirement then look like for you? And I mean, I just think, I just don't think we have the education out there or people aren't seeking the education enough. And unfortunately using, you know, social media, church members to, to, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but understanding the true facts and, and, um, vehicles and assets that are out there that can help really build a sound retirement for you. To add to your point, there are realities in a woman's life that are different sometimes than a man in that we on average make less 
And also, if you look at what's happened over the last couple of years with the pandemic, more women have been outed of the workforce, sometimes unwillingly, but it, it was just the reality. They could not manage both a ho- a the home life and the work life. And so when we think about how much, and we're going to get to some listener questions soon, but I wanted to address this enoughness right off the bat. When you're advising clients, Lucy, and they're like, okay, so how much do I need? What's enough for retirement? Obviously, we have to factor in things like the future cost of living, but what else? How else do we get to that number, which is obviously different for everybody? Yeah, and it's absolutely true. It is very different to everyone. And what's so funny is the amount of times I hear a million dollars, I think that is just the magical number that people more and more choose that if they have a million dollars, that's it, they're set. But I don't think they really understand what the basic retirement expenses are and how much that actually then plays into effect over a 20-year period, especially with women living longer. Understanding those numbers, understanding your basic expenses, your needs, your luxuries, your incomings, your outgoings. I think there's not enough communication um, with spouses. I mean, we've done a study before that if you calculate $5 a meal per person per day and you assume three meals a day, that the average couple in retirement is going to spend $913 a month, which over a 20-year period equates to you know close to $220,000. Wow. wow. So 25% of that million just going towards food. Just to, and that's the kicker is, is what most people to return and say is, well, $5 per meal, where can you get a, a meal for $5? And so that number isn't even realistic. And I don't think we truly, you know, a lot of the times when I'm dealing with my clients, they don't understand their true um, income and their true expenses. So they'll say, you know, I earn 6000 a month. And my expenses are 3000 And I'm like, okay, well, great. Then you must have 3000 discretionary. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm broke. And it's like, well, well, how? Why? And so I don't think people pay enough attention um, to details. And I think it's the details that really help provide um, the, the sound financial planning for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just don't think people understand it enough. The transportation costs, the healthcare costs, and that's not even taking into consideration the big words that we're hearing today is inflation right. and making sure that your your money can is the same dollars in the future that it is today. And, you know, we have this, you know, 7.4% inflation number that's been thrown out there. But that's not the actual inflation uh, rise in healthcare costs and understanding what that's just the average, right? Right. And so I just I think people don't look at the details enough. Well, we're going to get to some very specific questions from the audience, very specific. And so before that, I just want to table set a little bit more with you and tackle some of the more broader advice around retirement. Mm -hmm. And so where do people start usually? I I would say, obviously, if you have a 401k or a 403b at work, you still think that's the best place to start? 
Well, I think a lot of people know they have 401ks at work, but the amount of clients that I actually run into that say they're not taking advantage of a 401k plan, which is crazy because you're literally, if you have a company match, you are leaving free money on the table. I mean, free money. And <laughs> people just don't get that. And so, yes, the, the, the one place to start is learning about your company 401k because nine times out of 10, there is a match and that is free money that you're just leaving on the table behind. So if nothing else, sign up for your company's 401k plan. Make sure you're at least doing um, the match to get the match from your um, employer. But I think there, there are many different places that you can start off. Understanding your emergency fund, you know, having, if you're younger, three to six months of um, uh, monthly expenses in an emergency fund. If you're closer to retirement, more like more closer to, to nine months of an emergency fund. And then outside of that, don't let those dollars sit in savings account that aren't earning any interest because there's the power of long-term investing. And if you're younger, you have more and more market cycles to go through to to benefit from market opportunity. And so um, not being afraid, I think as women, you know, we're put in this box to be more conservative, to be more emotional when it's like, no, if you're young, doesn't matter if you're female, take on as much risk as you feel comfortable for the vehicle you're planning with and take on that risk. Make sure your dollars are keeping up with the pace of inflation. You're not losing that purchasing power. Do you have advice for how women can get more comfortable with the risk? It's easy to say that, but it's hard to practice. And when we're talking about real dollars, especially again, if you're a single mom or if you're the female breadwinner, I think there's a lot of pressure to make Mm -hmm. sure that your money is working. And it's hard to watch, you know, like one day you're up, one day you're down. And so what's the advice there for women who want to be able to harness that fear a little bit more? Yeah, I can't say more and more than to work with a a financial professional, interview people. You have the right to pick someone just as much as they have the right to pick you. Interview several people. Make sure that they are talking directly to you. And that way they can guide you through the emotions because, right, investing is emotional. And um, I'm sure everyone's seen their accounts of them fluctuating over the past couple of weeks. And that's scary. It's emotional. It's emotional. The reason why we're, the, the markets are fluctuating. So if you're working with someone, our job is to take out the emotion, to help the management, to not look at it on a day-to-day basis, um, to understand where you are in your retirement accumulation and journey. Because of course, you know, if you have time, if you have several, mar- several market cycles, ride those market cycles. A lot of people that talk about 2008 and how they lost everything in 2008. Well, yes, but you realize that loss by being emotional and taking all your money out instead of allowing it to rebound and capture an incredible high for the past 14, 15 years. You know, 
try not to be as reactive right. and work with someone that can give you the management and an understanding of why not to be emotional when it comes to your investments and your dollar. And, you know, try, always try and do a little bit more. Yeah. I always say if if a stock is or a mutual fund or an ETF, or if your investments are always on the up and up, something's not right. Something's Correct. not right. Volatility is healthy and normal. It's just par for the course. Let's go to the mailbag now, Lucy. Let's let's answer some of our listener questions. And again, these are very specific, but I think okay. um, will provide some uh, well-roundedness to our conversation. The first is these are uh, these are all acronyms and pseudonyms on Instagram. So I don't know who they're what the real names are, but MDIX asks, okay. how do I wisely invest my health savings account HSA? There are so many options that my company offers. And you know, just for take to take a minute here to, to explain that HSAs, while they are in current, you know, in the in the short term, they can be used as obviously a vehicle to save on health expenses, out-of-pocket health expenses. There's that tax benefit. You put money in and you can use that as sort of a piggy bank for your eyeglasses and you know prescriptions and all that stuff. But there is a long-term benefit to this too, where you can invest those dollars. And a lot of people are, are banking on that as a one area of saving towards retirement. What's your recommendation for our friend here who wants to know how to pick those investments? Yeah. So HSAs are great tools that make saving for future health related expenses less painful. The investments inside of your HSA should be thought of like any of your long term investments, like your retirement accounts. You know, again, depending on when you need the money, when you're planning to access the money, is the sort of mentality that you should take on the investments inside of your HSA. Of course, if you're closer to needing the money, you don't need to be a very, you don't want to be aggressive with your um, investment choices. If you have long term before you're going to need the money, take on the risk, allow to benefit from the beauty of growth. And you're right, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs is what makes, you know, the markets grow and, and, and your accounts grow. Um Understand what tools your plans offer. You know, some of them offer automatic rebalancing. That's a great way to keep your investments on track with your risk tolerance. Which is um, also available to 401k participants. A, it's not exclusive to HSAs, right? Correct, correct, great. And it makes it a little bit easier to manage. Um, you know, some of the great options if the plan offers it are target funds. You know, target funds are assessed a date. And you sort of pick the date that mirrors um, your retirement or when you're going to need the money. And they sort of do the management for you. They're very, they're much more aggressive in the beginning. And as you near that target date, they sort of become more conservative. And that's a more passive way to invest, but but very useful and and it's simple if you don't know where to invest, you don't know what to look at. A target fund is a great way to to get diversity and sort of have someone else to do the hard work for you. Um, but again, speak to someone, education, advice, whether it's through the plan's HSA benefits or if it's through someone personally that you can just get some educational advice from. Thank you. Okay, Nancy Rilla 
And I love this question because it brings in, again, another way to prepare yourself for retirement. We talk a lot about 401ks. We talk a lot about you know investing in the market, but long-term care insurance is also a way to set yourself up for success in retirement. It's something that most people, if they opt into it, they opt into it in their 50s, sometimes in their 60s. Um, our friend also wants to retire early here. She wants to know, is, is long-term care insurance worth it? I'm hoping to retire by 55. So first, let's maybe touch on long-term care, your thoughts on that. And then for our friend here who wants to retire early, does it even matter? I mean, ultimately, this is something that you probably won't want to, you won't need to access until later in life. So it doesn't really matter when you want to retire so much as like, what's your health profile? Correct. So is long, you know, is long-term care insurance worth it? Such a loaded question. Well, what is it? First of all, let's just sit, let's just define it. Yeah. So long-term care insurance is insurance that can help provide tax-free dollars if set up correctly to provide for the cost of care. If you cannot complete two of your six daily living activities, and those daily living activities are considered eating, bathing, toileting, transferring, continence, and dressing without assistance, a cognitive impairment, so something like Alzheimer's or dementia, and or a terminal illness. So there are several different ways you can attack long-term care. You can go more of the traditional long-term care plan that's going to give you more options for sort of lifetime benefits. So if you enter one of these sort of stages of of chronic or terminal care or cognitive impairment, then you can utilize the benefits of a long-term care plan, usually for however long you need it. What's great in the market today is where before, if you didn't use it, you lost it. Now, even the traditional long-term care plans are set up with some style of a death benefit. So it's not something that you're paying into, paying into, and then if you don't use it, you lose it. So I definitely think long-term care has come back around. in the Yes, in the advantages. Another way to attack long-term care is the hybrid life insurance policies. Now there are many, many life insurance policies that offer riders whereby you can accelerate the death benefit to provide for the costs of care. It's usually um, much cheaper than the traditional long-term care, but it is based more on health and age because, of course, first and foremost, you're underwriting for life insurance. The traditional long-term care route has a little less restrictions on, um, you know, of the health and age, it's more sort of several questions that you have to go through. Um, but there are definitely different ways to attack it. Is it worth it? I think, I think it's beyond worth it, especially for women as women statistically we're outliving men, but also our bodies are so much more durable which means that the likelihood for us to remain in some type of care or need for care is going to be longer. So if you and your spouse have a finite amount of dollars and you're looking at each other on on where should we invest this long-term care, women and women are the, are the key because nine times out of 10, you look at our nursing homes and their largest population so is women. 
We're just, we're outliving men. We're, we're living through so much more ailments. And so the need for us to have care is a lot longer. And, um, you know, a long-term care event is one of the largest derailers to people's retirement. So if you're young, you're healthy, it's yes, absolutely get long-term care. And at what age you think, well, obviously the earlier, the cheaper it might be, but then you're also paying it for a lot longer in theory. In theory. Yes. Um, I, I can't stress it enough you know, to get long-term care as, as soon as you can. The problem is, is a lot of people wait for a catalyst event to happen. So either something personal inside of their own household or um, something that they reflect in their immediate family, maybe having, you know, now more and more where that sandwich generation, yeah. we're taking care of our ailing parents as well as um, taking care of, um are a, more adult children. And so, um, yes, if you can attack it longer, yes, I mean, earlier, yes, you might be paying for it longer, but the cost is going to be so much cheaper. I, I can't kind of evens you know, out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stress it enough. All right. Uh, this is a good question. A lot of, uh, folks in the audience are self-employed and Mm -hmm. they own businesses. Sometimes they are solopreneurs. A lot of times, um, you know, they're a business of one. Is there a retirement account you recommend for those individuals? I had a, and I still have a SEP IRA. And I know there's also the solo 401k. What are the differences? The differences come down to how much money you're trying to put in and also um, how much income you show. Because, you know, if you, let's say, make 80000 in a business, you're managing to write off about 60000 Well, you can only put about 4000 in a SEP IRA, whereas in a traditional personal IRA, you can invest um, 6500 So again, you know, it comes down to how much are you trying to put into the account versus also how much is your adjusted gross income. Okay. Your... Um, your, you know, a financial professional can help you with, with those details, as well as, you know, your accountant can offer you information on your adjusted gross income. Perfect. Nice and neat answer there. I like that. And then lastly, Nerdane, this is also a very popular question. She's speaking for the crowd here. Should I move 401k money from an old job that was from 22 years ago? I think with these, I mean, of course, my answer is yes. But I think with these, you need to understand what are the benefits of you leaving it where it is. Okay, it's low cost and it's a known entity. But outside of that, your limited investment options, there's no more match and there's no more specific advice. So what are you getting by leaving it there? And so then if you're not getting free money, why have unlimited investment options? Again, look at something that's going to give you more, provide you more, and have someone that you can help manage it and answer some of the questions because it's not what what you earn, it's what you keep. And so that keeping number, that savings number is so important because that's what you're then having to live off for 20, 30 years in retirement. So um, 
look at what the benefit is for leaving there. Usually it's not much. It's usually just the cost and, and a known entity. And look at your options outside. Right. And it's also, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Why not put that money to more work for you? Yeah. I, there's also the benefit of streamlining and having everything under one roof. The organization alone is very helpful. I find that very helpful in my own life just to have everything under, well, not everything under one roof, but you know, to, to the extent that I can do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Keeping everything under one roof doesn't mean one vehicle, but it means that you're working with someone that is going to help look at your entire portfolio and give you advice on your entire portfolio and get to know you, get to know your goals and you know, and a lot of people do, they leave accounts at so many different institutions that then when they look up to retire, they're forgetting about accounts they already have. The amount of clients that I meet and deal with that, I mean, it was only the other day I get an email, oh, I found another account for you. It just happens all uh-huh. the time. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it does. So consolidation is important. Um, making your money work better for you, having more um, management and also the conversation of risk management, you know, understanding the risks that you're putting these accounts through as you're nearing that retirement and what type right. of guardrails can be utilized. Right. Cause the auto rebalancing probably got shut off on that account when you <laughs> left it there. And now you're, you're 68 and you're like 95% in stocks and you had no idea. So that's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up, Lucy. Absolutely. Lucy Chamberlain, thank you so much. Really enjoyed having this conversation with you. So much great advice. Really appreciate this partnership. Next Friday, we'll be talking about all things investing. So obviously retirement is one area of our investment portfolio, but there's a lot of other ways to invest and looking forward to that conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. 